Crown used some video evidence today during its cross-examination of Andrew Barry, the Oak Bay father accused of killing his two young daughters. Barry claims someone else, not him, killed four-year-old Aubrey and six-year-old Chloe. Romina Dea has more on the contents of the video shown in court and how Crown is trying to drill holes in Barry's testimony. Christmas Eve 2017. It was the last day the girls were seen in public alive. Chloe and Aubrey were having fun playing at a rec centre, seen in video which was played in court. The girls were excited for Christmas Day. They left a note for Santa, a bowl of bunny crackers and a toothbrush so Santa could clean his teeth after. Crown's theory, Andrew Barry killed his daughters around 8 a.m. December 25th. Barry has said repeatedly he didn't do it. He claims someone else killed the girls and stabbed him twice after 3, 3.30 p.m. when they returned from tobogganing. Barry suffered 16 stab wounds. Patrick Weir suggesting there was no attacker. Barry tried to kill himself. Crown, I'm going to suggest to you those little nicks are what's called hesitation marks caused by you attempting to stab yourself but not being able to until you finally get up enough courage to drive that knife into your throat. Barry tries to explain the wounds and says, I don't know. When Barry was in hospital, detained, chained to the bed, Crown asked, why didn't you tell Dr. Pitcher I didn't kill my kids? Barry, who was badly injured, said, I wasn't going to talk to anybody. I couldn't talk. The key question is, does the jury believe Barry didn't kill his kids? Remember, the onus is on Crown, not Barry, to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Romina Dea, Global News. Well, first, it was a dead rat. Now, Vancouver Rape Relief is cleaning up hateful messages scrawled on their front door. This is what workers arrived to this morning. The shelter's stance on trans women causing some backlash in the community. The center defends its policy that its services are available to born females who have experienced male violence and may not be comfortable around women who may appear and sound like men and don't share the same life experience. I think disagreement is fine and it's okay to not agree upon everything, but hateful speech and threatening to kill us is not acceptable. And for those who are really concerned about the lack of services available for trans women, um, I would suggest to start something or organize something and make something available for them and we'll be in full support of that, but not to target um, or undermine what we have going on here. The city of Vancouver has said starting next year, it will no longer provide rape relief with a nearly $34,000 annual grant. They say the charitable group does not meet its trans equality and inclusion criteria adopted by the city in 2016. As the federal election draws closer, the role B.C. will play is coming into focus with Justin Trudeau on a spending spree in our province. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria Forest with more on the dollar count and the one important area, Keith, that critics mm. say the prime minister has missed. Yeah, certainly so far, uh, Chris, I tell you, a lot of money's flowing around. This may be a record uh, pre-campaign spending spree by any level of government in Canadian history. The dollars are absolutely astounding. Our, our global colleague, David Aiken, in Ottawa has put together an ongoing list. And the numbers, again, are mind-boggling. Across Canada, $7.75 billion has been promised since uh, just August 11th alone. 925 announcements separately, so just in the last couple of weeks. In B.C., $2.1 billion. 
Congress. This is according to the Conservative Party, has been promised since July. 59 announcements. Now, of course, no announcements are allowed after the election writ is issued. More on that in a second. But you'd think with all that money flying around, one of B.C.'s top concerns would be addressed. But David Eby today dropped a little bit of a bombshell that when it comes to resources for money laundering, the federal government has yet to step up to the plate. I am uh, still concerned uh, that we don't have adequate uh, oversight in relation to uh, money laundering issues and other issues where we should be cooperating uh, more with federal agencies. There's lots of opportunities for us to work more. Uh, the gap in policing uh, around this continues to be a concern for our government, and I hope it's a concern for the federal government. I have yet to hear from them uh, information about how they're coming forward with additional resources to deal with the money laundering issue in terms of policing in our province, which is quite startling given the amount of time that's passed. Uh, on the topic of timing, you mentioned the writ. Do we know exactly when the election is going to be called? We're gonna, it's getting close. Then we know the election date, October 21st. But Justin Trudeau has a bit of wiggle room here. He's got the earliest he can call the election is September 1st. That's not going to happen. The latest is September 15th. The betting is sometime in the middle there, probably a week after Labor Day. All right. Thanks very much, Keith Baldry in Victoria. Right. See you, Keith. A milestone in White Rock today, a partial reopening of the iconic pier following months of repairs due to a devastating windstorm. Grace Key has more on the repairs and the work that still needs to be done. Grace. Well, Sophie, another $11 million will be needed to upgrade the pier. White Rock hoping to get that money from various levels of government and fundraising efforts. But until then, folks outside just enjoying one of their favorite landmarks. Two, one, it's open. It's the day many have been waiting for. After eight months of repairs, hundreds flocked to White Rock to be able to once again stroll down the country's longest pier. And one family was set on being the first ones to go crabbing. It's absolutely our world for babysitting. I do nothing. I sit there and they do their thing. And I easiest babysitting job in the world. Come to White Rock. Well, I'm letting next time. Yeah, I think the birds have done a good job. <laughs> And they finished doing what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it. Amazing! A storm surge severed the pier in half back in December. Rebuilding the damaged section with steel pilings and cement cost about $4 million. Another $11 million is needed to upgrade the rest of the pier. Not everyone attending the event felt it was money well spent. I think it was overbuilt. It didn't need to be concrete. Uh, the only reason that the boats or the pier was taken out was because of the boats hitting it? It will withstand a storm, storms of the future. We're also going to do seismic upgrades. We want to talk about redoing the breakwater itself. And then the last piece is perhaps doing some dredging. Perhaps no one is more ecstatic about the opening than the local businesses across the street. A couple of years ago, the owner of Doc's Fish and Chips says profits went down 60 to 75 percent due to waterfront projects. When the pier shut down, the restaurant took another hit. Like our sales gonna a little higher, but it's still 50% hit. With White Rock's iconic landmark back open, people will once again be making their way to this popular attraction. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Well, you won't find any boats docked here right now. That will be up for future discussion at council meetings. The official opening, by the way, will be on September 21st. Sophie? All right, thanks for that, Grace Key and White Rock. I'm hungry! I'm hungry. Yo, I'm hungry! Aquaman star Jason Momoa and his squad get stuck on an elevator in Vancouver. Their hilarious play-by-play -play later on the news hour.
And a massive raft of floating rocks out in the middle of the ocean. Where it came from and where it's heading later on the news hour. But first, when counting calories, sometimes some of us forget how quickly that glass of wine or beer each day can add to your bottom line. Not speaking from experience at <laughs> all, but one local researcher believes that people are so out of touch, he wants nutritional information to be included on every bottle. Kylie Stanton has a sobering look at the calorie count. Beer, wine, and everything in between. Canadians are more than happy to drink it up. How many beers would I have in a week? Probably about six or seven. Eight or so. Uh, three to four. Maybe I'd have six beers in a week. And so, what's what one more? I might have 12 bottles of wine. It turns out quite a lot, especially when it comes to the waistline. We broke down the number of calories that people take in based on the different beverage types like beer and wine. A recent study led by Adam Shirk with the Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research found the average drinker consumes 1.8 drinks per day. That's equivalent to 250 calories, or 11% of their daily requirements. That's about the number of calories that are in a small bag of chips that you get from the corner store. The number only climbs when it comes to binge drinking, where four or five drinks on one occasion amounts to roughly 550 calories, or 25% of the recommended daily intake. That's more than a double cheeseburger. But according to this researcher, the bigger issue is the fact consumers have no way of knowing. Alcohol uniquely been given this free pass compared to all the other food and beverages that have calorie and nutritional labeling on them. Alcohol is classified under the Federal Food and Beverages Act, but because it's considered to have no nutritional value, it currently doesn't require any labeling. Shirk is hoping his findings will change that. We're calling for uh, alcoholic products to be labeled just like virtually all other food and beverage products. So to have nutritional labeling and calorie, informa calorie information available on the product. Shirk has yet to hear from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. It did not respond to our request for comment. But as for drinkers, they seem more than willing to give the idea a shot. I think it's good to be aware of, of drinking empty calories. It does make a difference. Absolutely, of course. They should tell you everything on there if you want it. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Monday's landmark ruling in the battle to lay blame for the deadly opioid crisis is reverberating across the continent into B.C. tonight. An Oklahoma judge's decision to order a big drug company to pay hundreds of millions in compensation could bolster the argument in lawsuits launched by B.C. and other provinces. Richard Zussman reports. It is a crisis that has affected so many. Now one of the companies producing opioids is being ordered to pay up. I am entering an abatement plan that consists of costs totaling $572,102,028. It is the first time a painkiller manufacturer has been found responsible in part of the ongoing opioid crisis. In this case, the company in the spotlight, Johnson & Johnson. They are appealing. Johnson & Johnson did not cause the opioid abuse crisis. But as the case enters its next legal phase, it is capturing the attention of BC's own Attorney General, David Eby. Certainly as Attorney General, I can say I'm very heartened uh, that we're headed in the right direction with other Attorneys General across Canada in bringing forward this litigation. That litigation was started by the BC government and then the Ontario government jumped in. 40 opioid manufacturers and companies are being sued. 
for their link to the ongoing fentanyl crisis and the cost to the healthcare system. Many of the facts that were argued, uh, many of the facts that were proven in this case in Oklahoma are facts that our case relies on as well. The death rate from illicit drug overdoses has been slowing, but still, 538 people died in B.C. from illicit drugs in the first six months of this year. The heart of the argument against these companies is they have downplayed the addictiveness of the drugs they produce. The marketing of the of opioids have been uh, really out of line with appropriate use. But whether B.C. can prove that will take some time. Next step will be a three-day hearing in the fall, but if the tobacco lawsuits from the past are any indication, getting an actual resolution could take us well more than a decade. Richard Zussman, Global News. In another late development today, Purdue Pharma and its owners, the multi-billionaire Sackler family, have reportedly offered to settle more than 2,000 other lawsuits from U.S. states and cities for between 10 and $12 billion. Meantime, a new study by Statistics Canada shows how drug use in Vancouver compares to Halifax, Montreal, Toronto and Edmonton. StatsCan tested wastewater in the five cities for different drugs. Some of the results might surprise you. Vancouver ranks fourth among the five cities for cannabis use. The city showed the third highest traces of codeine and second highest levels of methamphetamines. But Vancouver has the highest traces of both morphine and cocaine compared to the other four cities. All right, let's switch gears now and talk about a new nightly show at the PE this year that mixes fire, music, and high-voltage intensity. Things that should go together. <laughs> Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us from the fair with more on what electric fire is all about. Yvonne? Yes, it takes place in the evening. We're at Festival Park and we're just in front of the Coca-Cola stage and things kick off this evening and we've got a bit of the cast. It's not until 10 tonight or 10 15 rather mm -hmm. marisa just introduce us to the cast that we have here and tell us a little bit about the show and what people can expect yeah so i'm marisa this is julianne jacob and caitlin um yeah our show's at 10 15 tonight you can expect fireworks fire just everything blown up it's amazing and you guys are here every night uh what are some of the highlights of the show or your favorite part i'm putting you on the spot yeah. what's your favorite part of the show my favorite part is we're all singing with like a flashlight, we shine it in your face and the fireworks go off and it's just kind of serene but very exciting for everyone to see. So that's my favorite part, just getting the crowd hype. Great, you're at Festival Park, 1015 things kick off. Thank you so much for your time guys. We'll look forward to seeing you this evening and throughout the remaining of the fair. Thank you so much. All Thank right, uh, we'll have your full forecast. If you're planning on coming down this evening, fantastic. Our long range forecast and leading into the long weekend very shortly. Guys? Looks amazing down there. All right, thanks very much Yvonne. A West Kelowna mother says she feels her family has been cheated out of the last part of their summer because of the roofers working next door. She says she politely asked them to watch their language, but they responded with harassment. It escalated to a point where both sides called police. Our report is from Global Okanagan. It just seemed to get worse. A West Kelowna family is in a dispute with a local trades company. I felt intimidated. After she says she asked a crew working on her neighbor's house to curtail its cussing. It's not a professional way to run a business. MacArthur says she politely asked for the workers to tone down their language. The first thing I did is go out there calmly and politely and said, can you please just maybe keep the swearing down? I've got a couple kids. And uh, there's a young guy working there. He was nice enough and he said, OK, I'll talk to the guy. 
But that seemingly reasonable request was not only dismissed, the West Kelowna mom said it got worse. They were getting a little irate themselves and they were like stepping it up and just calling me all kinds of nasty names. MacArthur's children also concerned by what they hear from the neighboring job site. Having someone insult like us and like my parents is kind of weird. And like especially saying all of it out loud and swearing even though they know that there's kids around they really just don't care. It's just, I find it pretty revolting. While there are policies and protections in place to protect from bullying and harassment in the workplace, it does not protect everyone else from negative behaviours that may overflow into public space. As for the MacArthur family... I didn't know that um, confronting them, even in a calm manner, would, would lead to that, this kind of escalation. After speaking to the MacArthur family, we went next door to speak to the roofers. When we arrived, they decided to take a break and left the job site. By phone, Roof Doctor turned down our request for interview, but referred us to RCMP, who were called by both parties to intervene. But their attendance did nothing to mediate the problem the MacArthur's call distressing. It's been pretty stressful. Danny Seymour, Global News, West Kelowna. A Vancouver dog treat company has come up with a novel way to remind dog owners about the danger of leaving their pets in hot cars. Earth Paws is selling a line of dog treats that are actually baked inside a hot vehicle. The company says it hopes that will remind pet owners of how quickly the temperature inside a vehicle can climb to deadly levels. We did have a temperature gauge in there and it was a day around 27 degrees Celsius outside, um, but inside the temperatures did reach up to 70 degrees company says all proceeds from the sales of the hot hounds treats will go to the SPCA. Actor Jason Momoa has taken to social media again to talk about his experiences in Vancouver, although this time he wasn't exactly happy. Fire department doesn't want to show up. The Aquaman star posting on Instagram that he and five other people, including a dog, were stuck in an elevator at Hermitage Hotel. They passed the time by eating candy and drinking beer while joking about, among other things, whether they'd have to resort to cannibalism while they were in there. Momoa stopped posting after about two hours, apparently after finally being rescued. In health matters tonight, a major recall just as kids get ready to go back to school. Health Canada is recalling some cleanable water bottles made by Contigo because the clear silicone spout can detach and pose a potential choking hazard. The recall only applies to bottles with a black spout base and a black spout cover. The company has received 30 reports in Canada of the spout detaching, but no reports of any injuries. About 157,000 bottles have been sold in Canada. You should immediately stop using the bottles and contact Contigo for inspection instructions and a free replacement lid. You can find the website and toll-free phone number on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc it was like a cement mixer it was just grinding a giant floating raft of rock in the pacific ocean bigger than the city of vancouver after the forecast where it came from and how it could be a lifesaver for one of the world's threatened natural wonders right and now though before we get to the weather forecast down at the peony with yvonne shell Mm -hmm. Squire. 
Well, actually, this woman spoke to Yvonne, I think it was last week, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. So there's a little stage um, by the barbecue area at the PE, and they have various shows. And um, the strong woman, Mama Lou, is her <laughs> stage name. Yep. Uh, she does three times a day doing things you won't believe. I am Miss Mama Lou, and I am the American Strong Woman. Lindsay Lindbergh's act is part feats of strength and part comedy. All right, I like to stop and show everybody just what it looks like when you're like halfway through. The act began on the streets of Montreal after she gave up her first dream of being an aerialist in a circus. I had to think of something that I could do that would make strangers stop and watch me and give me five dollars. I bet if I worked on it, I could tear a telephone book in half. The first show didn't go as well as it does now, however. Absolutely a complete disaster. I think it took me 10 minutes to rip my first telephone book in half. So three or four audiences had gone through before they you... did! Yes, they would leave out of pity. Now, of course, ripping telephone books is easy for her, although finding telephone books is not. Now you must explain to three-quarters of the audience what this actually is. <laughs> that is so true! Like, you're going to run out of these things pretty soon. I collect them whenever I can possibly find them, and I keep them in a storage unit because they're my most valuable possession at this point. She has five world records to her credit. One has to do with rolling up frying pans. But she does have a personal Mount Everest she has yet to conquer. To bend a wrench. I feel like that would be really, really cool. Have you seen it done? Yes, I have. I have. How close have you gotten? <laughs> Not a dent. And hopefully she bends that wrench before her body refuses to because this job hurts. When I was performing six months a year, I would have such bad tendonitis when I would come off the road that I would scream just going to get uh, orange juice from the fridge. And that's when I realized that I just couldn't do this forever. Oh, and by the way, she was nice enough to give us a phone book ripping lesson. Get that nice grip, and the goal is to have it crack. It's going to crack like one unit. <laughs> This is when it gets fun. And then this part's just for glory. That's fantastic. Did you try it? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you're still working I, you on know, it. I said, I, I, I think I can bend a spoon. Yeah. Might be able to, I'll start small and like work my way up, yeah. Long way from a wrench. Okay, all kinds of good stuff going on down there at the PE. That's where Yvonne Shell is on a gorgeous night. Yvonne? It's fantastic. Uh, temperatures are quite comfortable this evening. It's going to be dry and then it's warming up once again. We'll talk about some of those temperatures. That's the big weather story. I'll look at our tower cam this evening. We've got a beautiful shot of English Bay. Temperatures have been into the low 20s, but it's really away from the water that we've been pushing closer to 30 degrees. And when you factor in the Humidex, right now it's the light wind northwesterly at 7 kilometers per hour. Highs today into the low 30s for the interior near Kamloops. Lillooet today getting up to 32 
few in areas near trail up to 30 degrees. The bulk of the moisture and the instability was across the north coast. It was a transition day and that moisture is across the central interior continuing in this evening and clearing out overnight and for the northeastern corners over the next few hours we're still looking at a few isolated thunderstorms. The southern half of the province benefiting from a ridge of high pressure remaining very strong. The peak of the heat for the south coast Wednesday, Thursday and the southern interior will continue to see the heat for Friday, Saturday with many spots remaining into the low 30s. Northern half tomorrow brightening up, highs up to 17 degrees, a clearing overnight for the central interior through the day tomorrow, sunny with a high of 19. The southern half, it does start to warm up, but even hotter Friday, Saturday with temperatures into the 30s and across the south coast. The northern tip of the island starting off with cloud cover, a clearing inland for the island tomorrow up to 32 degrees for areas near Port Alberni. Your peony forecast, so sunny through the day, it'll be hot, you'll need to stay hydrated, grab the sunscreen over the next three days sunny. We are going to see a change on the way for the beginning of our long weekend. We could see more cloud cover, even a chance of showers. So if you like the heat, get out and enjoy the next three days. Guys? Sounds like a plan. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. The maritime world is abuzz tonight over the discovery of a massive raft of volcanic rocks floating in the Pacific Ocean. A pair of sailors made the discovery near Tonga. It's called a pumice raft a mass of floating porous rock that forms when a volcano erupts from the ocean floor. At 150 square kilometers, it's bigger than the entire city of Vancouver, and it's visible from space. First we thought that it was whale poop, and uh, uh, but then it's, uh, it became obvious that there was way more of it than uh, any normal-sized pod of whales could come up with. The rocks are floating toward Australia and carrying with them trillions of marine organisms. It's hoped those organisms will help revitalize the embattled Great Barrier Reef, which has been badly damaged and bleached by climate change. All right. Vashik Pospisil? Yes. Getting it done? Well, there's a lot of Canadians out there. It was kind of like Canada Day, the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. Five uh, Canadians out in singles action. But the one who will get the most talk tonight is Vancouver's Voshik Pospisil. Because, gee, a couple of weeks ago, he was at Hollyburn for the Audlin Brown. Today, he knocked off the ninth seed at the U.S. Open in a big first-round upset. Let's go. This one took almost four hours to play. Uh, Karen Kochanov, number nine against Pospisil. We're in the fifth set. Oh, right to the corner. V is for Voshik. V is for victory. Pospisil near court now. Gets this one. Gets that one. Doesn't need to get that one because it's out. For the win. net and he moves on to round number two and it was the battle between the Canadians Shapovalov, Oje Aliassime they played last year at the US Open and Oje Aliassime had that heart issue and had to stop today he just got mowed down by Shapovalov there was no health issue it was a Shapovalov issue he won the first set 6-1 keeps sneaking up to the net here Wins the second set, 6-1. Shapovalov, who was in a bit of a slump there for a while this year. Looks good here. 
Again, right at the net. And he beats his old buddy, Felix, in round one. And Felix Ogiel, you seen, was an 18th seed. Uh, Bianca Andreescu, number 15 on the women's side against Katie Volnetz. Andreescu had some problems today, 32 unforced errors. However, comes to the uh, net for a point there. Won the first set, 6-2. Wow, that's just too powerful. Second set now. As Volnet's on the run, comes to the net, gets a point there. This is for the match. Bianca's on her way to round number two. Well, after 12 years, the Olympics put women's softball back on the roster for the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo. Mind you, there will only be six teams in this tournament, and two of the six will come out of the tournament that's going on right now at Softball City. Canada is in this. It's an Olympic qualifier and Canada is expected to get one of the spots in the Olympics. In fact, Canada has always qualified for the Olympics when it came to women's softball, but they have never medaled. We are the most prepared we've ever been. Um, We've been together since May 17th. Um, we've had a couple breaks in between that time and now, um, but I can honestly say we are the most prepared we've ever been. Prepared and focused to earn one of the two Olympic berths up for grabs this week at the Softball America's Olympic Qualifier. Team Canada is ranked third in the world and are the highest seeded country at the qualifier. And if all goes according to plan, Canada should be Tokyo bound come 2020. With what your sport has gone through, this is a big week, not only for Canada, but for women's softball. Yeah, it is. um, And I think we feel that in the back of our minds. We know that. Um, All of us know this is probably going to be one of the biggest tournaments that we've played in. Um, But that being said, it's kind of trying to just stay in the moment and not get too ahead and think, think ahead. The ultimate moment is playing for an Olympic medal in Tokyo next year. And with just six countries vying for gold, silver, and bronze, it's impossible not to envision a medal of some kind being brought home by Team Canada. We all know what the big carrot that's dangling in front of everybody's nose. They know it. Um, can you sense it? You can. But, and, and the way I sense it is their readiness. You know, last night we did a, a, an impromptu room check and they were in bed at 9.30. Um, so they understand. They, they, they've, they've worked very hard. The work they've put in the last two years under the leadership of our strength coach, Scott uh, Wilgris, has really been exceptional to watch. And uh, they're appreciative and grateful for the opportunity before them, but they know exactly what they need to do. And I'm, it's make my job a heck of a lot easier. This is my second Olympic qualifier. Being older now, I think I'm realizing the importance of this week. And um, it's cool to just have been a part of that whole journey and just realizing what it means to our country to be able to be in this position this week. And it's cool to be a part of something where you feel so confident that there's no choice but to qualify. The Softball America's Olympic qualifier goes all week at Softball City. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Look who's back in T.O., Josh Donaldson getting a big hand for the fans. And Calgary's Mike Soroka, who's been off to a great start this year, 10-2 facing the Jays, although in the first inning, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. drives in Bo Bichette. This gave the Jays a 1-0 lead at last check. Toronto was up 3-1 on Atlanta in the seventh inning. There you go. Thank you, Squire. Thank you, Squire. 
An eye-catching traveling duo that's been getting a lot of attention in Halifax is now getting a lot of attention worldwide. Frankie the Beagle and his owner Gary are becoming famous for their unique way of getting from A to B. He gets treats along the way. That's how I kind of bribe him into it, I guess. When Gary Mullins made a trip to the pound three years ago, he never dreamed he would not only find a new best friend, but a cycling partner to enjoy his active lifestyle with. I decided to see if Frankie would like a backpack uh, for biking. Uh, I used to use a trailer, but that was a little more cumbersome. And uh, I got the backpack and he seems to love it. When Frankie isn't busy doing normal dog things like snoozing and snacks, he accompanies Mullins for rides around town. It's a good life, Mullins says. Not only is Frankie rewarded with puppuccinos at coffee shops, he's now also quite the star online. A recent live video that Mullins posted online had over 150,000 people watching it. I think part of the appeal is like, especially when I'm biking, he's like higher than me. So it's like kind of like a Cleopatra thing going on, like royalty, which is not far from the reality. Of course, high speed winds can make things tough to see. So Mullins has a special piece of equipment to help make Frankie's ride a smooth one. And then uh, everyone's favorite, the finishing touch, the doggles. So I was riding around with them uh, for, I don't know, a few weeks before I got the goggles. And I'd taken some footage and I noticed that he was uh, kind of squinting in some of the uh, some of the rides and uh, people were just like get him some goggles and like any true athlete the best part of a big workout is the treat you get afterwards <laughs> Alexa McLean Global News Halifax hey Frankie good work bud <laughs> Frankie's so cute he is super cute but he has to keep feeding the dog yeah, I think so yeah, otherwise oh. he's getting off he doesn't work for free no he doesn't just like the super dogs most people always have a lot of wieners in their pockets Nothing happens for free. You need that motivation. Thanks for watching us tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.